0: I've listened to The Silver Screen by Ice9Kills for months.
1: And I listened to it once yesterday. Hey, welcome to Mixtober!
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, that's Connor, and we're here in October, which we have lovingly dubbed Mixtober in the spirit of all things Halloween-y. I'd rather be listening to music. This is a podcast for you then. You're in the right place. (laughs) For the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about albums that are a little, you know, creepier, a little more edgy, Halloween-themed, just to stay in the spirit of the season, you know, have a little fun with it. And, I mean, we already had some requests to do this album in particular, so I'm excited to knock this one out of the way. Did you know about Ice Nine Kills? before that kind of got recommended to us because I know I didn't and this was months ago it had nothing to do with Halloween or October whatsoever. We just uh, know people that really like them, and we're telling us all about them, and yeah, I took a listen, because I listened to a lot of music recommendations, and I figured this would be great for Halloween.
1: I did know about them
0: ahead of time. You
1: did? How? Where? Also through recommendations. Okay. I may have known this one was being recommended.
0: I see. Well, I'll be honest, this album does seem pretty much right up your alley. As far as, not maybe as far as music goes, (laughs) but as far as...
1: Oh, but in terms of, like, Hunt. Yeah,
0: conceptually, this is your thing.
1: Yeah. Because
0: we'll talk more about it, but what this album does is each of its 13 tracks is based on a horror movie, a classic horror movie of some sort they take lyrics and themes and even sound cues from all kinds of films and that's your thing you're the pop culture guy i am the pop culture guy so i've been dubbed yes and i actually i even told you before this i said make sure you know your stuff about these movies because you know them better than even i do Uh, i don't know any of it well that's gonna be a problem (laughs) well for those of you who don't know about ice nine kills apparently unlike us and especially unlike connor somehow I'll tell you about them. Ice Nine Kills hails from Boston, Massachusetts. The band's 22 years old. They were formed in the year 2000 by high school classmates Spencer Charnas and Jeremy Schwartz. And they've actually, uh, over the last two decades, cycled through about a dozen different members. But today's lineup consists of Spencer Charnas on the lead vocals, the keyboard, and the guitar, Ricky Armelino on the rhythm guitar, the vocals, and the keyboards, Patrick Galante on the drums, Joe Acciuti plays the bass, keyboards, and sings background vocals and then Dan Sugarman plays the lead guitar and sings as well. That's our five for Ice Nine Kills. You may be wondering, why are they called Ice Nine Kills if there are only five of them, and they're not made of ice, and they don't kill things? Well, I'll tell you. The band's name comes from a Kurt Vonnegut novel, Cat's Cradle, in which Ice Nine, as far as I have read and understand Ice Nine is kind of like room temperature ice, like it turns water into a solid at room temperature. It's a special chemical. The band used to just be called Ice Nine, like that chemical, but then they started adding the kills to the end of it somewhere along the way to give it a little extra oomph, you know? The band started releasing music in 2006, and soon Ice Nine Kills were opening acts for some pretty significant names, including As I Lay Dying, Paramore, Thursday, and more. They first signed with Ferret Music. By the way, did not know that Ferret Music was a label, and I love that. I imagine it being run by a bunch of music business savvy ferrets. (laughs)
1: squirrels are good at math ferrets are good at business and record production yeah sounds like we might need to bring a ferret in on Connor's Hippin' and Halpin' album
0: you're right maybe we will they signed with Ferret Music in 2009 and in 2009 they even appeared on that year's Warped Tour with a lot of other bands that we've talked about and mentioned (laughs) they've pretty much been at it ever since they've put out EPs and albums at kind of a breakneck pace I was surprised to see just how much and how often they release music their popularity is on the rise even still Mm -hmm. some other Ice 9 Kills facts that you may or may not know, the band initially started out as a punk ska band, as evidenced by some songs on this very record. But, you know, punk ska has kind of a niche audience. <laughs> And as the popularity of their horror film-inspired lyrics grew and evolved, they kind of turned into this post-hardcore, metalcore sound that they've adopted today. That same friend who recommended them to me described them as heavy metal for theater kids, and I think that is really, really accurate. After spending a little time with this record, they actually self-identify, they classify as theatrical
1: Oh, that's cool. I like that.
0: I like it a lot, I know. And another element to that dynamic is that they're known for their really involved music videos. Yes. They go to great lengths to recreate all these iconic film scenes. They, they put on elaborate costumes and set pieces, and beyond the scope of the songs, a lot of them kind of act as extended short films, a la Michael Jackson's Thriller video. Actually, they put a cover of Thriller on the deluxe version of this record. Each of these videos is like a little 10 or 15 minute story, and it features each song kind of as its crown jewel, right? It's an interesting kind of concept, but I think it works really, really well for their style and for the type of sound that they're trying to achieve and the audience they're trying to reach. I think that connects really well. This week, we're talking about their 2018 album, The Silver Scream. It's the band's fifth, of six studio albums to date. And what's interesting about this album is that same deal that each track comes from a horror movie. I don't think we've had an album quite like that yet at all. So it's a concept album of sorts. They kind of uh, retell and reimagine the perspective of all these various characters, covering everything from Friday the 13th to IT to Jaws. We'll talk more about it, obviously, that's kind of why you're here and why we're here, but that's why it's called The Silver Scream, which is a really good punny take on Silver Screen. I like that. And as far as their music videos for this record go, the story follows this guy who's been disturbed by nightmares, and he visits this doctor trying to figure out what he's going through and diagnose it. This record was the band's most successful to date. It charted inside the Billboard Top Hard Rock Albums Top 10, and it peaked at number two after selling 19,000 units in its first week. It peaked at number 31 on the UK's rock and metal albums chart, 29 in the Billboard 200, and then it made it all the way up to number four on the US Top Rock Albums, which is really impressive. And I think, in a lot of ways, to me, This feels like a breakout album. I'm not too, too familiar with the rest of their work, but it kind of feels like The Silver Scream blew open the doors to the audience that this band is reaching today. Their sixth and most recent album that came out in 2021 is a sequel to The Silver Scream, and it features songs based on 14 different movies. So if you like horror movies and you like metal music, this is the band for you. And if you like facts and you like spins, then this is the part of the podcast for you. Yeah. Yeah, this is the part of the podcast where the mixtaper comes out and plays a game of factor spin or tries to try well he usually does play usually more than a try he hasn't failed to play yet Yeah, you're right he's just failed to win a lot
1: yeah we're starting a new season for the beginning of mixtober is that is that what's happening well
0: that seems to be what he declared last week he got that itsy bitsy half point lead and
1: decided to end the season that's right so i think this is a good time to start the new season all right i think this season is going to go for a while. Oh, yeah? I think we're about to hit a long stretch of a season.
0: I don't know what season this even would be. Five? I think
1: we're on five or four. It's hard to tell. Let's just
0: call it five.
1: We're going to go with five.
0: Okay, season five, starting now. Get on in here, mixtaper.
1: taper. Hey, it's me! the mixtape
0: hello and welcome back to the show welcome to mixtober i guess we named it after you (laughs) yes my season
1: my time of the year
0: it's the last thing your ego needs that's for sure
1: my fans they wanted more of me they screamed my name from the rooftops mixtape mixtape and here i am with my own month. now basically a month. It's Basically. Kinda. <laughs> well,
0: I'm excited to see what facts and, and games you've got this month, but why don't you kick off Mixtober with the first fact in Season 5.
1: First fact, supposed fact. Allegedly. In Season 5. Allegedly speaking, if this were a fact, it'd right. be the first one.
0: And that is... They
1: cameoed in a horror movie.
0: Lots of cameo facts lately. I mean, AJR was in a movie too. And Debbie Harry was in a game. Yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of cameos going on. Which horror movie was this band in? Silent Night Silent Night sounds like a Christmas horror movie Indeed Okay, when did it come out? I I feel like I've heard of the movie, but I don't know anything about it, I'll be honest Came out in 2021 Okay, what kind of characters do they
1: play? A band Yeah?
0: Are they like in it as themselves? Kind of like, uh, like if it's a cameo, do they just play as Ice Nine kills in the background somewhere?
1: As far as I can tell, their characters in the movie aren't named, so they basically are, I guess
0: What's the context of their scene? Why why are they in it? Where
1: are they at? They're playing at this massive dinner party.
0: It's always a dinner party.
1: I guess it is. both. I, if I always mean both times that a band is cameoed as a band, it's been at a dinner party? Yeah,
0: that's what I mean. Both times. It's always, so far, 100% of the time, a dinner party. Small sample size. Accurate statistic. Kind of
1: ironically, or I guess unexpectedly, it's at a very formal Christmas-like dinner party everybody's in formal wear and everything
0: is it silent
1: (laughs) then they wouldn't be playing anything right (laughs) well
0: yeah well it's just called silent night i I wouldn't i didn't know great job
1: what do they play i actually don't know what song they play i don't think it's any of their songs i don't think it would fit the atmosphere (laughs) i haven't seen the movie
0: it doesn't seem like it from the context that i've been given so far i'm Leaning towards the spin on this one, I'll be honest.
1: Didn't even ask why they were in the movie.
0: Okay, why were they in the movie?
1: Because one of their songs was used in the credits.
0: Okay, the same thing as the AJR thing. See, always this. Always dinner parties, always a song used in the promotion. What song
1: happened in the credits? Go ahead and take a guess.
0: Was it Mary Axmas?
1: Yeah, The Instrumentals. Oh,
0: okay. So that's already about a different horror movie. Yes. But it's Christmassy. I guess that makes enough sense.
1: The director said they heard the song and knew that The Instrumentals specifically had to be in... I'm lean and spin. Lean and spin.
0: I think it's a little convenient that this band who makes songs about movies, I-, I feel like the very first thing you'd do would be to lie and put them in a movie that they're not in because that seems believable.
1: And I don't believe it. Fair enough. Spin City. All right. Well, as you said, be the very first... Pres- thing i would do is make up a lie about the meaning in the movie but it'd also be the very first thing i'd research point taken therefore this is a spin <laughs> <laughs> Yay! (laughs) And in fact I just like looked up a random I was just like Christmas horror movies that came out in 2021 and that was the first one on the list and boy is this a dark and sad film. Yeah.
0: Oh I didn't even ask anything about the plot. I guess I didn't figure they'd be important to it.
1: No from what I've gathered from the Wikipedia page the plot is basically there's a giant death cloud sweeping across the world killing all life forms and the British government has issued suicide pills for a quick and easy death before the cloud hits Britain and the story seems to take place around this group of people at christmas time celebrating christmas and deciding if they're gonna take the pills well that's
0: awful it's got <laughs>
1: kieran knightley in it though you know who that is right
0: yeah she's from that one
1: movie okay you don't know do you
0: yes i do she's in one of those old-timey movies is, is it pride and prejudice she's in oh, one come.
1: of them oh come on she actually probably is um you're actually probably not wrong about that yeah that's not what you would know her from
0: yes it is oh pirates pirates
1: she's from pirates of the caribbean come you're on right
0: now that you say that now that you say that i remember
1: elizabeth swan
0: well i'll never forget again i'll go one for one i like that uh,
1: uh, also, Lily Rose Depp is in it. Johnny Depp's daughter.
0: Pride and Prejudice, or Pirates of the Caribbean, or Silent Night. What's wrong with you? I don't. You just. You said she's in it, and we just talked about three different movies. Oh,
1: oh, in Silent Night. Okay,
0: <laughs> the context wasn't rolled back.
1: I see. All right, well let's let's try again. Not a great start for me in my own holiday, but uh, you know, I think you'd treat me nicely in my holiday. would not want to ruin it for me forever.
0: I don't think it'll ruin it for you forever. What, no matter what happens.
1: Let's go with Patrick had to wear an eye patch. Okay, why did he have to wear an eye
0: patch? Was this a medical reason? Yeah. Okay, what happened?
1: I don't know how much you've how many pictures you've seen of the man. Few.
0: The answer is very few.
1: They tend to sometimes wear colored contacts oh. as part of their costumes and. The problem with colored contacts are that they can sometimes cause eye damage, such as ripping the cornea.
0: Oh, wow. He's wearing colored contacts. How long does he wear colored contacts before this happens? We're talking. I mean, days, weeks, years. How many instances of contacts is this going on with?
1: Uh, well, I mean, like I said, they wear them as part of their kind of costumes for the performance. And uh, one time he went to take them out, and the cornea came with it. Came with it. Yeah, yeah. It, I guess it says here it says ripped ripped out the cornea oh, of the eye. Ow! So what
0: are the consequences of that?
1: How does that affect my vision?
0: I mean, short term and long term.
1: Short term, it messes it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. I would imagine.
1: I just looked up some symptoms of it. If left untreated, abrasions uh, can lead to corneal ulcers, resulting in severe vision loss.
0: Yeah. That's pretty severe. And so what does the eye patch do, I mean, to help with that? Is it just to keep the eye covered in the dark?
1: Well, he had to have surgery to fix it. Sure. And then the eye patch is just, uh, like, you wear an eye patch after an eye injury.
0: Yeah, protection and light sensitivity. Sure. And his vision, is it healed? All better?
1: All better. Does the
0: band still use colored contacts?
1: Um, that's a wonderful question.
0: Because if it were me, if I just watched my buddy go through this, or if I went through it myself, that'd be the end of the line <laughs> i'd say oh maybe no more
1: no it looks like they don't okay they've all decided to
0: stop okay that's a pretty gruesome halloween fact you've got here i think i'm gonna say this one's a fact with a fact on patrick wearing the eye patch i think so the color contacts seems likely with all the theatrics they do the music videos they shoot and While I've never necessarily heard of someone's cornea getting that kind of treatment, I'm sure it does happen, and I'm sure contact removal could be a pretty likely cause, depending on the situation. So, this seems to check out. I think I'm going to say it's a fact.
1: Darn. Um, (laughs) this is a spin! Oh, what? Gotcha! Oh, you did. Just like you said, it seemed pretty likely that that would be a thing they'd do. But it's not a thing they do.
0: Well, what's funny is I, I called the movie one a spin because it seemed pretty likely.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm so inconsistent. Very inconsistent. It's quite frustrating. It's about <laughs> the
0: context, you know? Okay, so this is, a, this is a spin. Nothing about this is true.
1: Uh, No, not that I'm aware of.
0: Did they ever use colored contacts?
1: They might have. I don't know. I'm not a big enough fan. I did not go into it being like, oh, they wear colored contacts. Let's make up a spin about him ripping his cornea out.
0: That's kind of what I thought you did. So you just thought about how can I get him to rip his cornea out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, color contacts. That's a way worse line of thought.
1: Well, uh, you know, to all you listeners out there, wearing cheap color contacts can damage your eye. Yeah, so shell out. Yeah, the good ones. Get the good stuff.
0: Keep those corneas intact.
1: Not a sponsor, but could be.
0: Corneas, not a sponsor. Who's really not a sponsor after that message are the optometrists.
1: <laughs> <laughs> up next, ramping up.
0: Hit me with that semi-final ramp.
1: They own ghost detecting equipment. Round three? Something like that.
0: This is Ryan the Ghost making his return for Mixtober. Ryan has returned for
1: Mixtober.
0: I was just thinking the other day about how we haven't seen Ryan in in a minute.
1: Well, he's a ghost. Most people don't see him. That's true. Good point. In the past... Yeah, we need a nice history timeline of Ryan the Ghost on this podcast.
0: So, he was a friendly ghost first to Gabrielle Aplin in episode 42. Then, in episode 47, Ryan learned how to use a Ouija board, misspelled his name, and helped them record an album. Then, Ryan and the ghost returned as a dog for Bob Dylan and helped him write songs as a ghost dog by barking in the distance. And then he's here today, episode 66, as Ice Nine Kills owns ghost detecting equipment. Now they've detected the ghost with their ghost detecting equipment, yes? Yes, yep, yep, yep. Does it have a name? Its name is Ryan. It's Ryan the Ghost. Its name is Ryan. And how do they know? Did it use the Ouija board method or did it tell them some other way?
1: Unclear. I think maybe they named it Ryan. It's always unclear. It's not always unclear. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, what other evidence do they have then? If it didn't tell them his name was Ryan, what evidence have they gathered? Uh,
1: well, you know, they've bought their electromagnetic field meters and other fun ghost hunting equipment to confirm its existence. And uh, it's their roadie. You mentioned all the different incarnations Ryan has had. This time he's a, he's Ryan the roadie. Ryan the roadie ghost? Well,
0: so roadies carry equipment and things. Does this ghost go on tour with them? Is that what happens? He just follows Ice Nine kills around? Yeah,
1: he follows them around as they tour. Weird. They've come to enjoy his presence.
0: Well how do they know it's the same ghost? That's a good point. I know. I bet people die in music venues probably more often than you'd like to think about.
1: They probably sense his aura. Like they know it's Ryan, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, whatever.
0: Uh how much ghost detecting equipment do they own? I mean, we've had some numbers thrown around in the past, like, you know, thousands of dollars of their budget when to drugs and then the rest went to ghost detecting equipment
1: that's right
0: <laughs> but how much how much went to ice nine kills ghost detecting equipment
1: let's play everybody's favorite not factor spend game show guess that dollar amount i should have known
0: twenty five hundred
1: dollars twenty five hundred sure higher
0: higher i already thought my guess was a little too high Five thousand.
1: Five thousand three hundred and fifty dollars oh my
0: gosh I guess you better be enjoying it then.
1: The $50 was on Taco Bell.
0: Well, that's not ghost detecting equipment. Yeah,
1: but they bought it when they were buying the ghost detecting equipment.
0: Where do you go to get ghost detecting equipment on that scale? Where do you go check out with a $5,000 cart across the street from a Taco Bell? Across the street.
1: I don't know. Probably the ghost. Uh, ghosts are us.
0: Ghosts are not us. Ghosts will be us. <laughs> ghosts will be us. Or we will be ghosts. It's all backwards. Every time Ryan comes up, I say it's a fact because I just want him to go away. just want him
1: to go away. Oh, poor just Ryan. just to
0: be over with. I'm sorry, Ryan. I- I- Think it's a fact. I think you knew this was coming someday because it was recommended to both of us. I think you knew it would likely be a Halloween episode or a Mixtober episode. And so I think episode 66 also, though, may just be the perfect time to bring him back because it's a Halloween episode. And this may totally be fake, but I'm sticking to my guns and I'm saying Ryan is real for once.
1: Ryan is absolutely real. But not true oh. about this band. this is a spin no, no!
0: no! so. Oh, this sucks. This sucks. (laughs) Listen
1: here. I got you. I got you with the old bait and switch.
0: This makes me 50-50 on Ryan the Ghost Facts. I got Bob Dylan's and Gabrielle Applin's right. I missed Red Hot Chili Peppers' Ghost House album, and I missed this one. 50-50. That sucks. Okay, you've been spinning off the charts. That's three spins in a row. It's mixed, Hoba, baby. I guess. Ryan will return. Ryan the Ghost will return you know what i hate you keep making me play guess that dollar amount I know. about things that didn't happen I know. <laughs> it's so it's like they well, no of course they didn't spend five thousand dollars on
1: ghost detecting equipment <laughs> unbelievable all right all right well we've got one more fact right one more the final round and boy is it a doozy i wanted to save ryan for last but i just couldn't with this one sitting in the list. You really? This is that good? Spencer urinated all over an airplane. What? Wait, like a real airplane? A people-sized airplane? Good caveat questions. Good good question line. Uh, yes, a real people, a bigger than people-sized airplane, you know, because airplanes are bigger than people. Well,
0: but I'm th- if you're thinking about, like, remote control airplanes, they're smaller, you know, I was just not sure. What on earth? define all over like up the middle aisle all over the bathroom and up at least a couple rows of seats was this plane in service Uh uh-huh you know like a plane that people were currently or about to fly on
1: oh yeah
0: and was this like a you know like a public plane or like a charter flight where there's no one on it but them a private jet oh
1: it was public what airline it feel it feels like a united kind of story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's not go pointing fingers. Not a sponsor. United, <laughs> <laughs> united Airlines. Not a sponsor. But could be. What happened? Was he sober? Yeah. W- was this a big time accident? Could he? Could he like think he could hold it and then
1: just couldn't? No, not so much. It was definitely an accident, but uh, he did not intend to uh, use the bathroom all over. So this seems like the kind of thing that's hard to do on purpose. How does this happen? Well, first off, we need a little, you know, pepper in some flavor here on the fact he is terrified of flying. Sure terrified of flying take off landing any bit of turbulence he gets super freaked out it's all shaky makes him have to use the bathroom sure yeah that's understandable so you know after they take off he gets up runs off to the bathroom
0: yeah but well so there's a step you're missing in the middle of that where he's already going no
1: no he makes it to the bathroom
0: He makes it to the bathroom, starts peeing. Okay, so turbulence happens while he's in the bathroom.
1: And hits the biggest batch of turbulence he says you could ever hit on a plane. Like, not just shaking, but like, plane whipping left, right, left, right. Oh, so he can't aim. No.
0: Plane's going up and down. He's terrified, running back to get to his seat. Not even
1: that. He's just being jostled all around in the bathroom. You know, can't stop peeing. Because that's not how it works. And so it's just getting all over the bathroom. Sure. And the flight attendant, hearing the commotion, grabs the door and opens it to check on him, causing him to tumble out of the bathroom. No way. Sprang pee. All over the first few rows of seats by the bathroom.
0: You're in the splash zone. <laughs> wow. This is gross and awful. How do you deal with this? As first, let's start from different perspectives. Okay. <laughs> You're Spencer. You've fallen out of the bathroom. Everything is a mess and your pee is everywhere. Um, what are you feeling? Like, how is, what does he say about this?
1: Uh, very embarrassing, I assume.
0: Yeah, that's not great. And okay, so then the perspective of the people in the back couple rows. You probably boarded the plane late. You probably had trouble finding (laughs) spots for your carry-on luggage. You're probably grumpy. The flight's just taken off. You put your tray table up, lock and loaded for the flight. You're hitting turbulence. You're just sitting there with your eyes closed, listening to smooth jazz through your headphones. And suddenly, it starts raining. Yeah. You said, that's not
1: right. Well... I actually know the perspective of some of the passengers. Because some of the passengers were his fellow bandmates. Uh, of course. And, yeah, so they sat in the
0: back. What did they say? Did I bet they gave him so much crap about it. Oh,
1: yeah. Spencer says that his nickname was uh well, was uh, P-Boy, is how I'll say it for our family-friendly podcast, <laughs> uh, for quite a while. There wasn't a lot to do. I mean, the, the, the stewardess, stewards, all of them, um, I don't know. The airplane people. Flight attendants. So there you go. That's the word I'm looking for. Flight attendants. Did their best to clean it all up. But I mean, you just can't get rid of the smell once that happens. No, it'd probably be a long flight. How, how long was the flight? This was headed to Florida. From
0: Boston? From, I believe, Boston. Yes. That's not, a, not the
1: shortest flight one could take. Yeah.
0: That sucks. Remind me to never go to the bathroom on an airplane again.
1: I know, right? Dan Sugarman actually said that it, um, some of it even got up onto the like carry on or uh, you know overhead bins. Gosh, what a
0: stream! <laughs> what have you been drinking?
1: And uh, got up there and got missed during the cleanup, and thus when he went to get his bag, put his hand in more of it uh, and proceeded to get some revenge by wiping it all over Spencer. I oh,
0: think he's been through enough. <laughs> Yeah, but so is so have they, right? <laughs> so right, true. This has to be the most disgusting fact we've had. I think it is. This has to be true.
1: Locking in fact.
0: There is no way that you made this up out of your brain. No way. Not much of one, but the door's always a little open. I. This has to be a fact.
1: Well, this has to be a spin. Oh my gosh! What? <laughs> but- I did not just make this up in my brain. Half the story is true. Did this happen to you? Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm a... Mixtaper has a shy bladder, all right? Mixtaper doesn't go peeing on planes. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Everything was true in the story. Up until a certain point when I deviated. Ugh,
0: that is, is frustrating. What point did you deviate? Did you just pee all over the bathroom? Was it the open
1: door? Once the pee made it out into the aisles, this story actually happened to poor Spencer when he was 12 years old on his way to Florida to see his grandparents. Oh no, just a kid. Yeah. And so it didn't get on any of his bandmates or up on the luggage or any of it. it just kind of sprayed out into the aisles and they cleaned it up. And it was his grandmother who was like freaking out going my my grandsons in there or aunt maybe it was his aunt I don't remember it was some parental figure it was some adult in his family that wasn't his parents that was like help my my child's in there my son's my 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 young child that i'm caring for is in my relation <laughs> is in the bathroom <laughs> yes my young relation is in the bathroom and they're terrified of turbulence and so that's what caused the uh the flight attendant to open the door causing the fiasco oh no
0: that is a fiasco i don't why would you open the that's just bad
1: i could tell i had the hook in you with all the true details and i was like i'm gonna pivot this into a spin and start talking about the band and changing the time and date it's like i'm gonna turn this into a spin because there's no way he's gonna think this is made up
0: (laughs) i was good that was a good technique because gross but once again though i have to point out that it's a little bit of a technicality because the fact is that Spencer peed all over a plane, and that's true.
1: Yeah, you always point this out, and I always point out to you that we set the rules very early on, that my catchy title isn't what you're basing your answer off of. It's the details.
0: I know, but
1: still. A disappointing start to the season. That, that's going to go down in spinet history books as an amazing fact that's not a fact. But it also is a fact. It's not a fact, but it is technically a fact. Yeah, you could say it and it'd be true. What a great way to start off Mixtober. (laughs) It's a pretty
0: bad season five, episode
1: one for me. Yeah, and as much as I want to end it right now, this is going to be a long season. Yeah, it's got to be. Well, get lost. Oh, all right then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. We'll see you next week for more Mixtober. Please play a little worse. I'll
1: try.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Mixtober. I really appreciate it oh he did that a little fancier this time
1: yeah he did didn't he?
0: welcome back connor how do you feel about flying do you like to fly
1: mm, i've only done it like twice like round trip oh
0: wow okay so that's four times then well watch out for those back rows now you know that's a pro flying tip now i know yeah back rows are most likely to survive in a plane crash but also maybe most likely to get peed on by the young lead singer of a metalcore theatricore band we should talk about the silver scream once again we'll bring it back bringing it back bringing it back in Indeed. Let's talk about the album cover. The album cover for The Silver Scream is a bunch of people in a theater with a giant knife poking right out of that screen. And I think it's very reminiscent of that cheesy kind of horror film that so much of this record is about. And I think that makes it a really fun kind of album cover. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot too. And I like how they even do other bits to make it look more like a movie poster. They put a tagline up at the top, you know, the bottom where they've put their little logo kind of looks like film credits and ratings. Yeah, I think it's clever. And I think it sets you up perfectly for this little halloween album this horror movie filled metal piece yeah so before we dive into the song specifically i found a good quote from Spencer about just, you know, the songwriting process and kind of what it takes to take these movies and compress and condense them into little songs. He said, trying to put so much of a story into a song is definitely a challenging thing to do, but also it's so much fun. I'm so familiar with the subject matter and I know these movies like the back of my hand. It's like putting a puzzle together. Before writing a song, I write down key phrases or moments that need to be touched on and then use that as my guide. So as we go through this album and these songs, you'll be able to pick out oh, that's a key moment from the movie. That's a famous line or they're describing this iconic scene, like you'll get little bits and pieces of everything. And that all begins with the first track, The American Nightmare. Yeah. Any guesses what this song's about?
1: I thought it was my job to know. <laughs> it is. That's why I'm just checking. This one draws heavy inspiration from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy Krueger. F- sung from his perspective, in fact. Bingo. That's actually, yeah, very correct.
0: Nightmare on Elm Street came out in 1984 hugely popular movie you told me it was my job to know all about
1: the films and here are just
0: giving it all away about this one yeah there's more that I don't know as much about yeah so you gotta take it while you can yes it made more than 25 million dollars at the box office the franchise nowadays beyond that first film has gone on to be worth more than 450 million so tell me more like what's Freddy Kr- I've never seen Nightmare on Elm Street yet I think we should add all these movies to the Spin It Movie Night rotation. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know much about Freddy
1: Krueger and his deal. He gets into people's dreams, right? Yeah, he's the the dream killer. He's got the Edward Scissorhand look going on.
0: Yes, that's right. Which
1: is funny because apparently, as I'm now reading, Nightmare on Elm Street is Johnny Depp's film debut. So funny that I made a... Edward Scissors hand joke. Oh, is it really? I didn't know that. That's what Wikipedia is telling me. It says it stars Heather Lagenkamp, John Saxon, Ronnie Blakely, Robert England as Freddy Krueger, and Johnny Depp in his film debut. Whoa, who knew? Yeah. It's like the third Johnny Depp tie-in we've had this episode. So weird.
0: What What I do know is, yeah, he, he does the nightmare thing, and if you die in a dream, right, you die in real life. You die in real life.
1: Yeah. Creepy.
0: So he lulls victims to sleep, and then he goes and kills them. So that's what this song has a lot of references
1: to. There's the classic boiler room scene, which has been come synonymous with, like, the character. Um, A lot of times when you see references to Freddy Krueger in other pop culture, you'll see a boiler room scene. Mm, interesting.
0: I like the song being
1: told from the perspective
0: of the killer. That's kind of a unique angle. I'm guessing you don't follow him through the movie, right? I mean,
1: maybe you, you do, yeah, but... Yeah, no, I... you follow... The main character, I think, is Nancy. Mm. It follows Nancy, because, like, Nancy's friend or something dies in the opening scene. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, like, the opening scene is, like, Nancy's friend dying. I see. Freddy Krueger, he has a really dark, like, origin story, too. He's, like, an insane child murderer who was released on a technicality, but then burned alive by the victim's parents, which is why his face is all, like, burned. and yeah, it's a whole thing. Oh, wow. Sounds like a whole thing. And so the song...
0: Talks, I mean, from his point of view. He says, I'm the American nightmare with American dreams of counting the bodies while you count sheep. I like that. I like the parallel between nightmare and dreams and, you know, counting bodies and counting sheep. That's a good pairing. I do think the second half of that chorus kind of gets a little weaker. Really? Slashing my way through the golden age of the silver scream.
1: No, I like that part. hmm
0: it's okay. In this song, and on the larger album as a whole, I kind of run into this problem occasionally where, especially not having seen most of these movies, I like these songs seem to lean really heavily into easy rhymes or cheesy storytelling devices, you know? Like, it's worse on certain tracks than others, but it's still here. I don't know how I feel about it. Because, like, it makes the song deeply tied to the movie a lot of these are well yeah we talked about like on our co episode for example there's a story that the song kind of follow and allude to but it's not so interwoven that you can't dissociate the two right this is kind of the opposite where it leans so much into that that it's kind of impossible to take much away from some of these songs unless you know the movies
1: i mean i know i've seen the movie but i didn't really get i don't know i felt like the vibe of the song was like the theme of the song you didn't have to seen the movie looking at like the chords, right i'm the american nightmare with american dreams counting the bodies while you count sheep. I'm American Nightmare. I'm living the dream. I'm slashing my way through the golden age of silver. Scream. Sweet dreams. Like, I feel like that just gives you, like, we know it's about Freddy Krueger because we have that knowledge and some other fun little references that kind of clue you into that. But, like, that chorus, lyrically, doesn't really say anything that tells you it's about Freddy Krueger. It, it, it kind of has this thematic sense to it that it could almost be a I have the Tiger style mentality to it. You know, like, it's this guy that's, like, buckling down. He's the American American nightmare because he's going to make it when everybody else is counting cheap and just dreaming about what they want. He's out there slashing and fighting to get what he wants sort of, theme to it. Yeah, okay. Sure. Like, especially in the verses. The verses are where a lot of the storytelling happens for all these songs. The verses. Yeah, the verses I'll give you. And if
0: I didn't know this song was about Freddy Krueger, or I had no idea who Freddy Krueger was and didn't bother to do the research, I would miss so much of this song. It would just go right over my head. Yeah, really? I think a lot of it would. Because
1: again, I'm uh, like looking at verse 3. Fell in love with hate because evil fit like a glove. It's fate that I'm still here and I won't be forsaken. Like, none of that... is inherently about the movie but like the evil fit like a glove is a reference to the movie because he wears that iconic glove but that's just a reference you don't have to get that reference for the song to still make sense like I almost wonder if like you went into this knowing all these are deep-rooted in pop culture references that like you're you're trying to force them to be about that when really these are more thematic songs that just seem to fit well in the Now, I'll give you the next one when we get to the next one. I was going to say. This one wasn't that rooted in the movie to me. I guess I'm just shocked that this is the one that you're focusing in on for that. I
0: mean, this song's not the worst offender. I just wanted to bring it up early and get around to it early. That's fair. Although, here's a fun little tidbit too. The line in verse 2, he says, Craven my revenge from the shallow grave, but craving is spelled weird. It's C-R-A-V-E-N. That's an allusion to the director of the movie, Wes Craven. Who knew?
1: I didn't know. I did, because you told me to look it up.
0: Well, look at you go. That's American Nightmares. I honestly, I like the song. As many lyrical snags as I might have here or there, American Nightmares is a catchy song. And it's a great way to open up this album. It's high energy. It sets the tone pretty darn perfectly. And I think it's fun. It's one of my top songs from this album. And then we move into track two. And yeah, there's definitely a vibe shift here. Uh, Track two is Thank God It's Friday. Mm -hmm. Is it any surprise that this one's about Friday the 13th? Yeah. If it were about another Friday, that'd be weird. So Friday the 13th. Is all about Jason, right? The guy in the goalie mask. And honestly, I don't know much about what his deal is. From doing research for the episode in the movie, I do know, and especially from this intro chorus with this little choir, that drowned in our sins, drowned in our mistakes bit. That's really dark. Yeah. And I think that chorus is one of the album's best, actually.
1: Oh, I, I really like it. Especially the hook on
0: drowned in all our yeah.
1: sins.
0: Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's dark. Fueled by the flood, we pay in blood. And so that's what I know about Jason, essentially, is that he just died he drowned (laughs) and then he kills people that's kind of
1: where my knowledge about him ends yeah that, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. That's his thing? Okay. Yeah, he he drowned uh, as a boy due to negligence of the camp staff. I'm not a big slasher film person. They're not my style horror movie. I'm more into the psychological horror. But I've seen all the classics. And mm-hmm. so my memory on some of them might be hazier than some diehard slasher fans might want it to be. But from my memory, Jason isn't even really the bad guy of the first one, of the first Friday the 13th. <laughs> what? Oh, you're just going to confuse me. Yeah, so... Jason, right, drowns as a boy, Camp Crystal Lake, due to the negligence. And the whole thing is Camp Crystal Lake, like, years later, is trying to reopen. Oh. And Mrs. Voorhees is stalking and murdering the teenagers trying to, that are working on preparing it for reopening so that they can't reopen. Because she doesn't want it reopened after her son drowned in the lake. Interesting. But the last counselor that is left living actually decapitates Mrs. Voorhees. And I think she's wearing, like, the, the Jason mask or whatever, so the look is still the same. You can't spoil all these movies these for me. listen you asked me to come with information okay let's well, not spoilers yeah, 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 yeah but in friday the 13th part 2 jason is revealed to be alive and fully grown and that's where we get the jason we all know and love today In, like, the original movie, it's, like, his mother. (laughs) Interesting. Weird.
0: Jason! killed them all, Jason! Kind of the reverse psycho move. Yeah. Well, I really like the... One of the things I did look into and learn about is that little hook that they do, the kiki Ki ma 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 thing. It's supposed to mirror the sound that happens right before Jason attacks. Like that, yeah. And I gotta point out some good lines in this one, too. You're right, it is a little more closely tied to the story. A little less separatable. But... Throats get slit in this neck of the woods. That's pretty good. Top notch. That's great. And I think it's actually I this may be a little backwards based on what I just said about wanting the songs to stand alone, but also maybe not. I think it's helpful to include little sound bites like they do later on in this song because it helps give some context to people like me who don't know the movie as well, right? They put in the sound bite. Did you know my son drowned in the lake? Today's Jason's birthday. Like that clues me in to what the song is about. And that's the thing that was notably kind of missing from American Nightmare, other than. At little like radio broadcast excerpt at the very beginning which doesn't really provide context as much as it provides ambiance yeah so in that sense i kind of like this format better if you're gonna tie it to the movie really really spoon feed it to me you know what i mean yeah but i like friday the 13th i like thank god it's friday up next Track three, Stabbing in the Dark. About another horror movie classic, a slasher that I haven't seen. Michael Myers. Michael Myers in the Halloween franchise. And I, I think it's interesting that we put so many of these big classics right at the beginning. Kind of tackle them all right at once does that matter to you like does that affect the album if you go wow we've already hit all the horror movies that I kind of care about and then the middle goes to more obscure ones does that bother you
1: uh it absolutely did we'll, we'll kind of talk about it as we go but I thought it I did think it was interesting that we really knocked all the big ones out right away
0: yeah I noticed that too so for this one instead of focusing on a certain you know element of the film or scene from the film like we kind of got in the last two songs a stabbing in the dark Spencer wanted to try and encapsulate the entire story of the the film in one song basically my understanding is you know michael myers breaks out of his psych ward and goes on a bit of a murderous rampage which is why we get this little intro part right with a feeble institution being brought to its knees after all this time spent in
1: silence yeah i really like this is another one that's a really strong chorus for me when the hands of fate fall on the midnight hour it's a good
0: absolutely it's it's one that's particularly intense it's another one of the album's best choruses honestly three in a row have been three of the top songs on the album yeah and i like that end of the chorus too let the knife leave its mark when the certainty of safety feels like stabbing in the dark i like that Ooh, if that doesn't get you in the halloween spirit
1: Nothing will. So there's uh, two really cool instrumental things they do in this song. Please do tell. So in the background, and I don't know if it was on purpose or if the chorus just worked out this way, but in the background, the guitar's, you know, going, it can get a little lost. Uh, there's certain parts where I hear it go, ba da 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 Absolutely. It kind of hits that, which is Michael Myers, like, theme song, as he's, like, going. Uh-huh. But then there's also the parts in the song that's way more obvious, where the piano and they start going, bam 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 which is the noise that's made, like, when he puts the knife open and starts going to actually attack you. Yes. So, I like that they put both in there.
0: No, yeah, they do take a lot of influence from the sound design of the actual movie. And they do that, I mean, not just in this song, either. That also comes up a couple other times, but it does happen here. Yeah. And then at one point, like, they put in an alarm, yeah. which is, you know, to talk about how he escaped from the sanitarium. There's all kinds of little details.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, the, oh, Dr. Can't You See at the end of the um, intros, I'm supposed to reference him talking to Dr. Sam Loomis, who's one of the the main characters in the in the franchise sure yeah uh-huh. I like the uh the line day after day knife after knife that's pretty that's pretty good yeah oh you can't kill the boogeyman because Michael Myers is kind of known as the boogeyman in the slasher film world he he's he was deemed the boogeyman
0: I guess he is yeah okay also I have to talk about in the chorus he talks about being behind this mask of hate uh-huh. Michael Myers has a really weird mask I don't I don't know why or how
1: and I don't want any spoilers but creepy it's interesting the way he gets the mask isn't anything too awfully special but it has become iconic. It's really, again, he has another really dark origin story, as they all kind of do.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. You don't get to be a serial killer by not having a dark origin story.
1: Yeah, it kind of starts because as a child, he kills his sister. That's why he's in the institution is because he was abandoned on Halloween night by his sister who left to go hook up with some boy. And so he kills her. (laughs) (laughs)
0: well that's awful yeah that's pretty bad let's talk about track number four
1: savages indeed
0: this one's a little more obscure at least in title this one refers to the good old texas chainsaw massacre
1: i guess you could say that that's more obscure but it's really not that obscure we get into the obscure ones in a little bit. We're still kind of in that bigger movies. I would say you've hit your big three slashers. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's where you get your cannibal.
0: Oh, are there cannibals in Texas Chainsaw Massacre?
1: I thought they just cut people. No, no. Ooh. The film follows a group of friends who fall victim to a family of cannibals. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Uh, this is where you get it's Leatherface, another one with a creepy mask. That's all from Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: I see. So the chorus on this one... In, I mean, along with the title not being a reference to anything in particular, but the chorus on this one just feels kind of disconnected from the film,
1: right? If you didn't look it up, you might not... Now that you know it's cannibals, it might make a little more sense. We are the savages eating you alive. Eating you alive.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that makes plenty of sense. I just mean if you didn't know that this song was about Chainsaw Massacre or you didn't look it up, I don't know if you could tell from the lyrics alone. Yeah, does that hurt it or help it for you? I think that helps it. I think. I I don't know. Honestly, I'm kind of on the fence. It doesn't seem to hurt it, though. I do love that chorus. It's so much fun. So high energy, once again. And, I I mean, there are some lyrics that kind of hint at it, right? Like, the sound of the saw is our soundtrack. Mm -hmm. But for the most part... Not a lot. I love the line, mess with the horns and you get the devil. What a clever twist on messing with the bull. Finally, something else to mess with. Actually, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is kind of considered the first of the slasher movies, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it it kind of helped define the genre.
0: Yeah, which is why I think maybe this little bit of, you know, cool intent behind the line, the original villains in the night, that was them. They were kind of first
1: to it. It came out in like the 70s, whereas Freddy and Jason and all them, they were kind of the slashers of the 80s. 90s. Mm-hmm.
0: I like Savages. It's just not as memorable as some of the early songs on this album. Yeah, I agree. Now, finally, we get to a song with a movie that I do know. <laughs> Track number five, The Jig Is Up. You're welcome. Yeah, this is all thanks to you. You're the one that introduced me to the first Saw movie back in 2021, and I've now seen the first Saw trilogy with more to follow. Obviously, The Jig Is Up is a reference to Jigsaw and
1: Saw as a movie. Yeah, so our first four really hit into the kind of slashers, right? You got your different flavors of slasher going on now we're finally getting into the psychological horror (laughs) yeah finally
0: and that's just it psychological horror because jigsaw makes all his victims play all these games and solve puzzles and and riddles it's it's pretty messed up but it's a great movie and i think it's really captivating i don't know if the song holds up to the movie which is another weird phenomenon that i haven't been able to do with the first four tracks because i haven't seen the movies this one i can actually compare the song to the movie movie and i don't know i I don't know if this one does saw
1: justice yeah the song just wasn't as hooky as the american nightmare you know it just doesn't have that same it's got, I think, some really clever wordplay um, going, tying into the movies. It does, but this is another one where if I didn't know the movie, these lyrics would be kind of off the wall. It'd be a weird song. You'd be like, why the heck are they writing a song like, about this? But it still, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, it would. Exactly. Uh, I do like a lot of the lyrics. Yeah, amidst their sins, the game begins a frightening chance to be saved. That's nice. Because that's his whole point, right, is you have to go through these trials to, like, redeem yourself. And usually people don't do it and die. I also love how the chorus makes great use of the homonyms for saw. Mm -hmm. Seeing through selfishness figuratively, but then seeing and then sawing through skin, literally. That's pretty great. I mean, that's the triple-layer saw reference that I like. The bridge pulls back really abruptly, Mm -hmm. and I kind of like that. That shift is very good. Because... The Saw movies are kind of famous for their twists, right? That bridge kind of feels like a little bit of a twist in the song. And of course, it ends with the iconic... Game game
1: over! (laughs) Yes,
0: I love it. I love the Saw franchise. I wish I liked this song more, but it is my least favorite of the first five, which is a bummer. Interesting.
1: It's not my least favorite of the first five, but I did wish it was a little better. I feel like, I know you talked about all uh, the chorus making good use of the word saw, but I feel like we didn't hit on it hard enough. Like, it's really good. It's really good use of the saw. Those first two lines. I saw through the selfish, but saw no soul. They saw through their skin. They saw through bone. Out on a limb to save the si- my city. It's pretty good. Yep, yep. I love it. All gears in my machine, because a lot of, all, pretty much all of his traps are mechanically based. A piece of them to carry with me was a good reference to the jigsaw piece he cuts out of the ones that fail and i also really like the line in verse two two rats in a cage one reborn and one to mourn because in a lot of the puzzles you know it's multiple people sometimes two sometimes multiple people pitted against one another and usually only one survives (laughs) that's true
0: and that's the thing too finally listening to a song about a movie that I know and being able to catch all the detail and all the the love and the care that they put into it I think if you're a fan of these movies you're gonna like the first couple songs a lot more than even I did right because you're gonna pick out all those little things and go oh this is so cool like I know that part of the movie or this is a reference to that you're gonna do that in ways that I mean I just can't yeah up next the song A Grave Mistake inspired by a movie called The Crow apparently somebody died on the set of the movie <laughs> so it's extra horrific i don't have any idea at all what the crow is about i i mm-hmm. didn't when i started listening to the song and researching for the episode basically i i found
1: a cliff notes version of the movie if you do you know about the crow you told me to make sure i did sounds like you told me to have all this information and then did it yourself anyways
0: that's right <laughs> well, i wanted to double cover us what if you couldn't be here and had to call out for the podcast <laughs> okay I would have had to handle it by myself. Don't act like it could never happen. So basically, the Cliff Notes version, this guy and his fiance are murdered. Crow joke. Murdered. (laughs) Uh, And just before their wedding, he comes back to life as a vengeful crow to hunt down their killers. Okay. (laughs) That's kind of where I'm at on that. You know, you do what you want. The song's okay. I'm not in love with it. The concept for the movie sounds weird. Uh, Well... It's a good enough song. It's the album's
1: third single, in fact, yeah, must it, say it's got the third it's got the second most plays on the album on spotify
0: yeah that's true and it's a fine enough middle song it holds the album together i think
1: it's a good uh change of pace kind of going into this more ballad section after uh, having five more harder faster paced songs it's true like this is the moment that this was a good moment to put this song i agree i agree with that very much i
0: just don't i mean knowing what the t- song in the movie is about kind of ruins the
1: song yeah you're really struggling with this whole they're all movie thing related when they're when they're popular movies you're like oh they're too ingrained in the song and then when you know nothing about the movie you're like i wanted it to be better <laughs> like it's just it's all over the place for you well this one's too ingrained with a bad sounding movie it's not like ingrained at all like this wasn't just this song could have not been about a movie at all and it would have been fine what do you
0: mean a flight for the fallen flies the crow it's right there but
1: it, it's just a cool metaphorical line if you don't know it's about a movie
0: mm-hmm. with weathered wings yes there's I obviously a
1: crow metaphor going on but if you didn't know that crow metaphor spawns from a well, movie it's a
0: literal crow but it's a literal crow it doesn't seem that scary it just
1: is a cool metaphor you're like <laughs> taking this cool metaphorical song and dragging it down because you think the plot of the movie that inspired it is lame it sounds lame <laughs> i can't say for sure that it is
0: lame but it sounds pretty lame sorry for all the crow fans out there i really ruffled your feathers with that <laughs> I, any, anyway I like a grave mistake I like that the, the melody gets catchier and we kind of pick back up after the jig is up which again while wordplay is strong is like pretty wholly unmemorable a grave mistake brings that back and it's kind of a weird transition for me out of a grave mistake into rocking the boat because I just don't really put Jaws in the same league as these other horror movies I feel like it's almost a different genre entirely
1: really no Jaws is like your monster horror you got a big beast I've never really considered it that yeah no it's absolutely it's like people were terrified of jaws i know like our generation were like god this movie looks Cheesy as crap, but when that movie first came out, people refused to go to the ocean and like to the beach and stuff because they were so terrified of the movie. Like it was absolutely a horror film.
0: I don't know the tone. Of, I've never seen Jaws all the way through, but the parts that I've seen, the tone of it feels very different than something like Friday the
1: Thirteenth or Saw. Well, or, yeah, it's a different style horror movie. Just like Jigsaw is a completely different style movie from like Friday the Thirteenth. you Well, know? sure,
0: but just just Jaws doesn't strike me as horror. Jaws just strikes me as like a like an action movie. Like a it's th- like
1: action horror it's like beast horror
0: i don't know i've just never considered it there well
1: you've considered it wrong <laughs> sure
0: so rocking the boat features one of the band's former members jeremy schwartz and i think rocking the boat out of this entire 13 track album might be the gimmickyest. All this stuff about a shark really does not work in any other context. I think this one in particular is just locked into this very hyper-specific context. Like, am I going to listen to any of these songs when I don't have the album on? For most of them, maybe not.
1: Well, this just isn't my style of music in general, but...
0: Well, I mean, that's fair and understandable. It's been interesting.
1: So what does it for me is I actually really enjoy the harder metal rock sound that they do with the all their chords like that's my problem i've always had with this kind of screamo music is i almost always am in love with the instrumental sound and the way the choruses are sung like with all these bands that like very smooth but grounded sound that you get with like the american nightmare yeah that's always great but then all the verses where (laughs) Just ruins it for me you know like if the if the entire genre was that like with the chorus I'd, I'd love every second of
0: it yeah I'm interested to see your score because of the duality of that the verse versus the chorus the scream versus the clean vocal and then the whole concept of having movies at the center of these as the pop culture guy the guy that knows horror movies i don't know i just don't know where you're gonna land here like yeah i mean you can make an argument for the crow being a metaphor yeah right but there's no way this song is about anything other than a shark
1: oh no yeah okay so like when you were complaining on american nightmare about how ingrained it was in the movie and i was like how is this the one that you're doing that on i was thinking of rocking the boat yeah
0: oh no i was getting there <laughs> i was like
1: how were you putting? the american nightmare and rocking the boat in the same camp yeah
0: i mean this song they literally scream out in 15 minutes will be shark bait yeah i don't know i like rocking the boat it's a fun song but it just feels off on this album for me i'll admit i'm a little biased against the next song right off the bat really the next song on the album is enjoy your sleigh and it's based on the shining here's my problem with that Before I ever watched The Shining, I read the book, loved it, so good, and I was so excited to go watch the movie. I went and watched the movie, and it deviated off of some really, really important plot points from the book, and I left the movie very disappointed, and I've never really liked The Shining movie.
1: That's one of those movies that if you've read the book, you hate the movie. If you haven't read the book, you love the movie. It's very divisive.
0: Yes. And so I wasn't sure how I feel about the song. What's interesting about the song, though, is that Sam Kubrick, son of the infamous Shining director Stanley Kubrick, does the guest vocals on this one. Yeah. It's very cool. The band calls his performance truly chill-inducing. I think that's accurate. What's interesting, too, about this song is it was voted in by the fans. They had a choice between this song and Psycho, so I guess we were kind of fated to get a hotel song no matter what. (laughs)
1: Yeah, which I don't know if that's the way I would have gone on that vote.
0: You don't think so? No. It still could have been called Enjoy Your Sleigh. Yeah. Also, mm, I don't like
1: that title very much. As the pun guy, you don't like that? enjoy your sleigh being no. about the shining where they stay at a resort you know I- i'm surprised you don't like the pun there
0: well that's the thing i just think that final hook is a little tacky i don't think it fits the tone of the song i get that it's hotelish it feels forced because like we the, we follow the, the story pretty well right some of these subtle choices welcome to your last resort don't overlook the past because it's the overlook hotel and they could see the vacancy so say goodbye to sanity like there's some great lines in here and then I feel like enjoy your sleigh just is like, hmm, okay. But I do love the story that it tells, right? We talk about Jack Torrance all the way through with the the man one drink away from a broken home. What a great line. And you know, it's pretty much literally the story. And in this case, once again, it's just so unextractable. It doesn't stand alone in the slightest. I like Enjoy Your Slay. I think it's a catchy song, and I do enjoy it as a fan of The Shining story. I think it's all right. That's my official take on that one.
1: All right. Uh, I'm just glad I was able to overcome the bad taste in your mouth from the movie.
0: Yeah, actually, I do think, well, there's some problems. Because it follows the movie story, it also, the song, incorporates some of the movie's (laughs) incorrect plot points. But they're not as consequential, so I'll have to let it
1: go. Fair enough.
0: Up next is a song called Freak Flag.
1: Yeah, from uh, inspired by The Devil's Rejects.
0: Yeah, that's right. A 2005 movie that, once again, you guessed it, I haven't seen.
1: Once again, James looked up information for even though begging me to do it. And actually, I haven't even heard of this one. But- I've heard of it. So this is interesting. I've heard of this one and i've heard of this is actually like the second film in the firefly film series it's a sequel to house of a thousand corpses but i think everybody thinks the devil's rejects is the better movie that sounds like an awful house to live in
0: it would be so bad to live in a house with a thousand living people
1: yeah i've heard i've heard good things about the devil's rejects it's a you know kind of black comedy horror which you don't see too many comedy horror films not many no so again we're kind of getting into another flavor of horror films here and it's directed and written by rob zombie oh i didn't know that basically the plot it follows this family of three who were they were the psychopathic antagonists uh, of the first film and so now they're the villainous protagonists of this one it's like we're gonna take the bad guys who escaped in the first one and see what they're up to oh smart this
0: is an interesting one yeah that serial killer family on the run from the cops it's okay you kind of rejected your a, you're a freak out there on the run, so you let your freak flag fly. Yeah. I think this song is lucky that it has a really strong chorus, because that verse, I don't know if it moves a whole
1: lot. I agree, it doesn't really do much movement.
0: It kind of, it's kind of just here, uh, and the verse is all right, but the chorus, like I said, really brings it back. Let your freak flag fly, because we're all a little messed up inside. You know, it's kind of this be yourself anthem. Weird in this context of a serial killer, but hey, you know, whatever. I like it. I think the chorus is one of the better choruses on the album too. I've said that a handful of times. I'm
1: uh, no. This one, this one's mid tier chorus for me. There's too many other ones I liked better.
0: It's lower. This one's lower better for me. Top 50 percent.
1: Yeah, it's like it's better than the obvious bottom tiers of like rocking the boat, but yeah, it's no, it's it's no American Nightmare or thank God it's Friday or something like that.
0: Oh, no, no. Far from it. It's okay. I like it well enough. I can get through it, you know? I don't have many complaints. It just doesn't, like, blow me away. The World in My Hands is the next track on the album.
1: Yeah, we're another Johnny Depp reference. It kind of is, yeah. We're getting into Edward Scissorhands, directed by Tim Burton and starring Johnny Depp. That's right. This song could be called The World in My
0: Scissors because he's <laughs> got scissors for hands. I mean, what a pitch for a villain, right? You're making a horror movie. Like, check this out, guys. We've got the next hit movie for you. Here's the deal. His name's Edward Scissorhands. And guess <laughs> what he's got on his hands. I love it film it that's a wrap sell it have
1: you seen Edward Scissorhands no I never have it's interesting this is the one on the album that I never really associated as horror really like I guess it is but it's really a romance film the whole concept is that giant Depp Edward Scissorhands is like an unfinished artificial humanoid who has scissor blades instead of hands
0: It seems pretty impractical
1: and he falls in love with this teenage daughter of the family that takes him in. It's like a love story.
0: Weird. I gotta say, I like this trend of leading in with a chorus on this album. I think that's smart. And it helps us orient for each of these songs for the rest of the song. The verses usually get a little more intense or in-depth or harder to follow. So I think when they lay it all out in the chorus first, that really lets us see where we're going or how the verse is about to lead us back into that chorus. I like that in this context specifically.
1: I guess this one has horror film notes like... Frankenstein does. This is kind of the misunderstood monster side of horror film. Yeah. Like the people around him are the true villains, right? Sort of, sort of punchline.
0: Right, that's the twist. I do love some of these lines here too. How cruel to be exposed to everything that I can't touch but still feel. Mm-hmm. That's a great line for when your hands are scissors. Yeah, and it's great in terms of the movie. I'm sure it is. If it's about love and not being able to experience love fully. Yeah, you can't touch it. You can still feel it. The ending of the song talks about falling so... No which yeah. is apparently a pretty significant symbol in the movie. And it sounds like, if I had to guess... Sounds like a really cool way to tie the film and the song together, but also like in a
1: subtler kind of way. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to do better about not spoiling the plots now by talking about the details, just in case. But yes. Thank you. The All the snow imagery is very thematic.
0: It feels like a metaphor that wraps the movie up with a good bow, and the song as well.
1: Snow and ice and everything is a very big theme throughout the movie too, so it's the perfect thing to latch onto for the song.
0: I see. And speaking of snow, by the way, up next well, is the- The
1: mixtape from what snow, what you're doing, infecting, his holiday month with a christmas album
0: he brought a christmas fact about silent night the movie i feel like he really can't complain
1: yeah he, he can't but he still is <laughs> okay fair
0: <laughs> enough now up next is mary axmas yeah yeah the, so you talked about in the the mixtape talked about in the fact this the movie silent night yeah well this song was inspired by a movie called silent night deadly, deadly night. night yeah yeah a little different. I think for me, just like Rocking the Boat, this one is so firmly stuck in that context. Yeah. There's no separation whatsoever. You, you can't listen to this in any other way. That said, though, this might be the most metal song about Santa Claus to ever exist. So that's cool.
1: And again, we're going into another kind of genre of horror movies. It's interesting, because they got all the slashers, so maybe that's kind of why they did it. They kind of wanted to transition from genre to genre, so they didn't want to have to come back to slasher. They did all the slasher ones first, and then kind of have now been working their way through the different sub-genres of horror films.
0: I think that makes sense, and When you put it like that, actually... Makes the light out a little Because now,
1: that's kind of been the theme. Is that Since we've gotten past savages, it's been a different genre pretty much every time. That's true. But Mary, it has an awesome start. That dong, 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 dong. I, I do like the start.
0: Yeah, the bells are a really cool touch. And actually, the band really likes this song. I can see why. It's a fun song probably to play and perform. But they said, I was able to go use some vocal techniques that I don't really get to do with that low death metal growling. They said, like the film, that's just supposed to be a bonkers fun part. We definitely didn't take ourselves too seriously with that song yeah and i think that shows i think they had a lot of fun with it and i think it's a fun song even if it's a little (laughs) this right i do like that line uh don't ask for santa's forgiveness that just makes me go hmm that gives me pause i don't know i think the chorus is once again very catchy they do that so well on each of these songs and i like how fast-paced this song is it really doesn't quit at all where does it land for you is it buffoonery is it poetry felice navi dead
1: oh that's buffoonery
0: absolutely (laughs) i just wanted to make sure yikes Anyway, uh, I can't talk about the song anymore after reading Felice Navi dead. Let's move on to Love Bites. Yeah, Werewolves. I'll- Track number 12. Yeah, it's based on the movie An American Werewolf in London from 1981. Yeah,
1: which is, again, horror comedy. This is like, so you had like your black comedy horror slasher thing going on with Rob Zombie a few songs back. This is true horror comedy right here. Yeah, is this funny? Yeah. prospective financers, like when they were trying to get the movie financed, said that Landis is, John Landis, first off, is the one who does it. He's the, he's the director of the film. Mm. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, 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 uh. Okay. So we're going to play a fun little game here. That um, do you, First off, do you know anything about John Landis? No, not at all. Okay, great. <clears throat> John Landis has come up on the podcast before. And I would love... What a specific game or spin. Uh, I would love for you to try to guess... Where he's popped up. John Landis has come up on the podcast before. Oh, yeah. As a director. Other things that he's known for. The musical comedy film, The Blues Brothers. National Lampoon's Animal House. uh, The Three Amigos. But he's also known for one very other notable thing that we've talked about on the podcast. Did I talk about it or did you talk about it? I'm not going to say. It sounds like you talked about it.
0: I would lose my mind if he directed Click Clack Moo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really couldn't say. I don't even know if I have a good guess.
1: Yeah, well, taking us back almost a full year, John Landis is the man who directed the 14-minute music video for Thriller. Thriller. He, Mm. He directed Michael Jackson's Thriller music video. Anyway, American Werewolf to London, pretty pretty funny film. When he was trying to get the, to get the movie financed, uh, his financiers said that Landis's script was too frightening to be a comedy film and too humorous to be a horror film. So, yes, it's got its comedic side. Interesting.
0: Yeah, well, in that sense, in a different uh, context, I did feel like this song was a little stuck in the middle, too. This is that sweet spot that's actually kind of a sour spot where this song is quite gimmicky, right? Almost like ax and Rocking the Boat. It's very deep in the werewolf thing, but I don't think it's specifically about the movie enough to really feel locked into the movie. Like, this could be about any werewolf, (laughs) generally, except for this very specific line, tearing London limb from limb. Yeah, This could really be about any werewolf. It just sounds like a werewolf song. I don't know. I I feel like, much like you kind of mentioned with that quote, this doesn't feel specific enough to be (laughs) a song... About the movie, and it doesn't feel generic enough to be a song I would listen to in other contexts. Hmm. It sounds good, though.
1: It's kind of a nice slower and
0: more melodic song after the really raucous
1: Axmas. I'll be honest, this was the first song in a while that I really liked. Really? Um, not that I didn't like some of the other ones. I'm just, like, like, I felt like we were in this kind of mediocre rut, is how I'm going to call it, which sounds worse than it is.
0: When your album starts as strong as this one does, it's bound to happen.
1: Yeah, you hit that your. and I felt like this one lifted us out of it a little bit. I quite liked this one. Was it too little too late? Too little too late. We'll find out in bonus
0: Fair enough. Up next is track 13 and the last of the movies that I actually have seen. And the last of the movies on the album. It is the end. <laughs> well, that's also true, but that's a coincidence. It's the double dose of Stephen King. This is an instance where unlike The Shining, I mean, I did read It, the book first, but then I've loved all the movie adaptations of It. I think most of those have been pretty true to the story. So this song also follows the story and the movie pretty closely. And it's another one that's just steeped in theatrics. The horns, the dialogue, the lyrics themselves are very specifically tailored to it and to recreating that atmosphere. And I think that's pretty effective in this version, in this song. I like it. This was actually the first Ice Nine Kills song that I ever heard. Really? And I watched the music video at the same time. Yeah. I think, honestly, the music video is a big part of the immersive experience for this one. I... I don't think this is their best song.
1: Not their best song, no. But... It is fun. I... think it continued the pull out of the rut. Um, I liked it. I liked it. Both It and Love Bites elevate the album out of that um, mediocre rut that it was in, in my opinion. I just really like... This song, it's got that campy vibe to it. Like, the the style is... They get kind of of loose with it. Yeah, they really do. But I think that's very fitting. This is interesting because... I don't know if it's classified as clown horror or supernatural horror. It's kind of both. Like, the, he looks like a clown, but he's supernatural. Uh, mostly supernatural. I think a lot of the horrible parts far surpass what a clown yeah. does.
0: It's also a weird song to end on. Really? It's kind of an interesting note to leave this album with. Yeah. With the clown horns and the trumpets and the... I don't know. It feels kind of like a sick sick little party. I, I kind of like that. Yeah,
1: it's like a sick little party. I really like the creshin- like the creshin- I don't just know. The ethereal, echoey, like, horn section in the outro... And just the ending on we all float down here. I don't know. It's a nice conclusion, I think. I I liked it.
0: Very fair. I liked it well enough, too let's get into the first final spin of Mixtober. Ooh. Was that a, was that a ghost? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say once again, based on my super limited experience with these movies, the songs that go along with movies I've seen land much more effectively than a lot of the ones that I haven't. So, I mean, take all the things that I say with a grain of salt coming from a perspective of someone who mostly just knows the songs and some of the lore of the movies. Overall, I think this album is really cool. It's a really well-executed concept. Unlike every other album we've covered, I mean, this one kind of stands alone for a lot of reasons. The theatrics are off the charts. I really like the theatric core, And it seems like they've paid a great homage to almost each of these films, which is very nice. I enjoy listening to the album, and I think one thing I've noticed over the months that I've listened to this album now, every time I come back to it, I like it more. It's a real grower and a consistent grower. It's not just one that I had to wait to like. You know, I liked it the first time, but I like it a little more every time I re-listen. So that's neat. I'm giving the music on this album an 85. Okay. Chorus is especially really strong, but like you mentioned, some of the verses kind of take a little bit of a dive musically, and a handful of the songs are a little campy or forgettable. Uh, Again, mostly that's stuff like Rockin' the Boat and Axmas and stuff, but yeah, I think the music's an 85. Lyrically, the hardest category for me to score in this case, because the lyrics a lot of times are really good and I'm sure they're better than I even realize but also they just don't stand alone they don't work on their own a ton in most of these songs I'm giving them an 80 that's actually pretty high for what you just said about them that's true instruments of production I i'm okay with it i think it's pretty strong it's a fun album to listen to they get a lot of gimmicky things too like the horns and the bells and the this and that that really kind of help recreate the atmosphere of each of these movies incorporating bits of the soundtrack right the michael myers killing music Mm -hmm. in jaws they do a little dun 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 like they do little things like that it's very well textured i'm giving it an 83 and overall vibe it's it's a creepy little album. I like it. I, I really enjoy this one. And it was a great recommendation. I'm giving it an 86 for overall vibe. That takes the total score to an 84.5, and it lands it at number 257 on the ranking spreadsheet.
1: Okay. I'm not sure where I expected it to go, but I think that's about right. I
0: think that's solid. It's a unique album, and I think it's, again, the perfect album to kick off Mixtober. I'm interested to see where you put it, though. Yeah. Because, frankly, I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> First, I just want to say I disagree. Um, I think the most with your in your score about the concept that these songs don't stand alone. I think I made that pretty clear as we were going through it, that I felt they... Did a little bit better job than maybe you were giving them credit for. Well, they do alright sometimes. I enjoyed the concept of the album. I enjoyed the instrumentals of the album. I enjoyed a lot of the choruses of the album. I just... can't get past for very long the screamo section. That's just not my cup of tea in the slightest. Yeah. I can get behind it in certain settings. Car full of people, windows down, music turned up, everybody screaming their lungs out. Sort of vibe atmosphere. Everybody else judging you. Not realizing you've been parked at a red light (laughs) next to a Denny's the whole time and everybody's just looking at you. Everybody in the Denny's is keeping an eye on the people screaming horror (laughs) movie songs in the car. Yeah. Um, I can get behind in certain aspects, but just in general, it it runs out. It has a shelf life for me of how long I can go before I just I'm done with it.
0: You have to charge up and then drain it as the album goes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Listening and all taking my notes, I definitely felt the battery draining and that's why I think I was quite happy with songs like uh, Love Bites where it kind of mellowed out more. It went back to more of that acoustic sound. Mm, I yeah. think that w- that helped keep the battery going a little longer. In terms of a top three, and I only get three. Yes, thank you for reminding me. In album order, The American Nightmare, Stabbing in the Dark, Nice. And love
0: bites way down low okay strong start and getting out of the slump that's your top three yeah so which of those three do you like for the playlist
1: for the playlist ah that's tough it really is i think we both agree what american nightmare we both seem to be pretty on board with that one. You're doing that thing where you're trying to you're trying to wheel and deal again. No, I'm just asking. That
0: sounded like one that we both... Yeah, I'd be fine with American Nightmare.
1: Uh, what else are you thinking? It's a great question.
0: I've kind of come up with a playlist top three, too. I would like American Nightmare. That'd be fine. Uh, thank God it's Friday would also make the cut for me. And surprisingly... I like It Is The End for the playlist. I think it's high energy and a lot of fun. And it really kind of encapsulates, for me, what this album is about. And, I mean, add to that that it's one of the movies that I know. Mm. I think that's, that's not a bad pick. So, I would go with one of those three. Yeah, okay, I'm fine with Thank God It's Friday. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I say we do Nightmare and, and Friday.
1: First two, in order. <laughs> We've gone chronological
0: yet again. Hit me with that score, though. That's what we're all here to know.
1: Yeah, that's what we are all been waiting for. It's been prolonging and building the tension. For me, this album is going to be hurt by the the genre, but it's going to be helped by the concept of it and by the things I liked by it. Yeah, genre hurt, concept help. Yeah. This is one where I kind of have to look at where I have everything else to make sure I don't get a bad taste in my mouth when I put it in a score category. Mm. And I think I have it. Six facts about horror movies James asked me to bring but brought himself anyways. (laughs) That's a long unit. Yeah, but... I really had to get that point across. Ah,
0: wow. I was wrong about where you'd put this. Yeah? Higher or lower? Uh Uh-huh. No, I was lower. I thought you'd put it in the fives, and I thought it would go below Weezer, but above Electric Guest.
1: So you were almost right. It almost got a five, but it would have been the top of the fives.
0: Interesting. You must have really liked the movie aspect. Yeah. Because I think just purely on sound alone, that's about
1: where you would put it. On sound alone. Yeah. So like looking at your four categories, right? Music, lyrics instruments and production and vibe the music and the vibe would get lower scores for me because I'm just not into this genre but as I said multiple times I love the instrumental side of this genre I like what they do with the instrumentals and then the music's are music saved a little bit by the um, chorus sound because I really like the chorus sound, so it, it's it's redeemed a little bit. But yeah, the the lyrics score is uh, I quite liked all the pop culture references. I did not find it hard to enjoy the songs because of how deep into the lore they were and. Except for the occasional one, like uh, rocking the boat. (laughs) We're really
0: slam dunking on Jaws tonight. Yeah, well. We're going to need a bigger podcast if we're going to jump on Jaws anymore. (laughs) I I saw
1: it would have been below the beach, boys. I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, and so then I went up one. I was like, Head in the Heart? Ooh, comparable. And then I saw Coloring Book. And I was like, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> and so this one's going to slot right under Mothership, right above Coloring Book.
0: Wow. Okay, you're putting all your screaming albums in the same place.
1: Yeah, I guess I am.
0: I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Mothership was a test to, like, slowly introduce you to screaming. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in. Happy Mixtober, everybody. If you had a good time, be sure to let us know. We've got more. Halloween themed albums and games and facts and spins coming at you next week and the week after that. If you're looking for us on social media and if you're looking for all the fun graphics we made surrounding Mixtober, you can find them on our Twitter at SpinitPod our Instagram, at Official and on our website at www.SpinItPod.com. The Mixtaper has this brand new line of fall-themed, legally distinct coffee <laughs> chain merchandise. It's a good time. But yeah, stay tuned next week and the week after for more Mixtober-themed fun. <laughs> Make sure you give as many treats as you perform tricks. And until next time, keep, keep spinning.
1: spinning. The first Pirates of the Caribbean is kind of a horror film. It's kind of spooky with the undead pirates, and that's true. It is a very kind of creepy, uh, scary song on the boat uh, to frighten Kira Knightley.
0: Oh, she in that movie?
1: You know, and then he like steps out and he's like, Do you believe in ghost stories? You're in one.
0: Yeah. Well, I would argue the one with the octopus face is kind of more of a horror movie. Really? And that's monster horror.
1: But he has the, he knows how to play the organ really cool, so it makes up. And he talks in a really goofy voice.
0: Well, that's also part of a horror movie trope.
1: Captain Jack Bellow spits everywhere.
0: That's right. Johnny up. up.
1: number six.